Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to ask the guys in the back to give me a little more light in the house just because I'm getting a glare in my glasses. And uh, you know what it's like when you wear glasses, right? And it, it becomes distracting. I'm going to try to take that glare off. There we go. That's a little better. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, um, I don't know about you, but I've done a fair amount of electrical work in my life, and I'm not an electrician. Okay? I'm not certified. I'm not bona fide. I'm just, uh, you know, get her done kind of guy. And so um, I've worked with electricity, and it has mostly been nice to me. Um, I've rewired walls without turning off the electricity. I've rewired outlets without doing that too. Most of the time now, I, I turn the electricity off because I've kind of grown up over the years. But every blue moon, I don't. So, so I just put in some new outlets in my house and some new switches. And, uh, and one thing you learn without going very far with it is there's a lot of power in, in uh, 110. Amen? Amen. 110 can kill you. I, I've watched wrenches fly across the room. I've been nipped. And, and, you know, most of the time when it gets you, it doesn't get you bad. It's just like, mm, and then you feel a little more alive. Like, oh, that was good because I haven't moved like that for a while. <laughs> And so that's kind of cool, right? But there's a lot of power in those wires. And when you're doing switches, you're doing three-way switches. See, I don't want to go into it too much. But you get a wire in the wrong place, only part of the switch works, right? If you've got two switches there, you turn it on, it turns on both things. But the bottom switch doesn't work. Or the top switch doesn't work, depending upon how you got it wired. A lot of power, but you've got to get those, those wires in the right places. Tons of power. And even when you put them kind of close to the right place and you get one switch to work, man, it's awesome. But the other switch doesn't work. And sometimes we feel like our life with God is a little bit like that. There is a lot of power that is available to you and me. A lot of power we can access through prayer. And we talk about some of the ways to access those things. Like don't let there be any sin between you and God that you haven't confessed. Because unconfessed sin will be a, a major block to you receiving or really hearing from the Lord. It will. So that's just a no-brainer. Don't have that. Deal with your sin with God. Confess it freely to Him or others. And get it right if you want to receive power in prayer. And then there's faith. You've got to trust. You've got you to look to Him. You've got to believe that He exists. And so we talk about that a lot in prayer. But there are a few things that we don't talk about that really are about how to receive God's power in prayer. How to get it when you're under insurmountable odds. And how to walk in that power. So this morning, we want to talk about that. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to open it to Acts chapter 4. And I just want, as we go to it, I'm going to give you just a little bit of an introduction to what, where we've been. In our discussion of the book of Acts, we just come off the first bout of persecution that the church faced, and really it was Peter and John faced it, right? And they faced it for, imagine this, for an extremely kind miracle that they did. And that got the dire of the religious people who came and pressured them and then threw them in jail. Could you imagine that? No good deed will be unpunished, okay? And that's kind of how it went with them. 
And so they, are, they participated in the miracle of the healing of a man who'd been born and lived the last 40 years lame. And they participated in the name of Jesus to see this man healed where he jumped and leaped and praised the Lord and went with them into the temple. And so that's where we've been. And after they were released from the custody of the Sanhedrin, the, the apostles, they didn't go out right away to say, okay, we're going to organize a revolutionary committee to overthrow or to picket or to, um, yeah, these uh, religious leaders because they were wrong. They didn't do any of that, even though public opinion was on their side. They didn't do it. So let's kind of jump in to our passage and let's find out what gave them boldness, what really gave them bold power how they connected with that power and were able to walk forward in that power still with the Lord. Amen? So if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 4, and let's start in verse 23. And it says this, On their release, Peter and John did this. They went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, that means all the people in the church, their people, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And this was their prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, King David. In Psalm 2, it's a great psalm. If you ever want to deal with the sovereignty of God, read it. A lot of great psalms for that. And this is what it says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise together, and the rulers band together against the Lord, against his anointed one. And then they continued, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, God. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What was the result of their prayer time? After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled, all filled, with the Holy Spirit. Again, you've noticed the apostles and then the church have been filled over and over again with the Spirit. They experienced that over and over again. And they spoke the Word of God boldly. God answered that prayer. Even though persecution and pressure were certain to come, they spoke the Word of God boldly. How do you get that insurmountable power? How can we too, likewise, experience what they experienced and not have a Christianity that's just kind of oh-hum and, and kind of just, it happens, and we kind of go on, right? We've been talking about the fact that the book of Acts is about Acts, and it's calling us to act. It's calling us to respond. It's calling us to faith, but it's up to us to respond. It's, it's not going to force us or make us. It's just going to show us and it's going to say, will you believe this? Will you walk in this? 
What are you going to do with this? What do you think God wants to do for you with this? And that's where we are today. So, how did Peter and John find this power in prayer? That's what we want to talk about, and here's the first thing they found. In our, in our passage, in verses 23 through 24, it says that Peter and John, upon their release from being jailed, went back to their own people and reported all. They gave them an update. They, they shared it all, and they prayed with them. Here's the deal, church, and, and we, we should know this, right? We've heard this. We need to let people speak into our lives. We all do. We need to let people speak into our lives to encourage us and to hold us accountable for our perspectives and our decisions. We need that. We need that sense of humility. We are a body. We've been connected together. And we need to bring our thoughts and our questions and especially our hurts and our offenses into the light of discussion with other people so that we can see them objectively, that we can understand them more clearly. We need to do that. If we don't do that, what happens if we don't bring those things into the light of day and into the light of relationships with others? Guess what we do? We develop lopsided ideas and perspectives. We develop in the shadows of our own mind. And it's a, it's a sad thing. We often say to parents, to their children, draw their hearts out. Draw their questions out. Don't let them gain perspectives in the dark and out of relationship with you. Because they'll be askewed and they'll be lopsided. And those that most of us know from experience, when our own parents did not draw us out, when we were allowed to stay independent or disconnected from them, we grew up lopsided and with misperceptions, even believing major lies that could have been resolved had we just been more open and allowed them to speak into our heart and life and, and evaluate those things together. See, what a blessing it is to be able to unload and unpack your problems, your burdens, your trials, your persecution with a trusted brother or sister. We fight that. We want it at one point, then we don't want it at another point. But we have to be committed to this. Committed to letting people speak into our lives. Committed to making decisions with other people's input. Through a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. We need to be committed to that. So my question to you this morning, who do you report all to? Is there somebody or a group of people that you report all to them? I hope if you're married, you've come and grown to the place where you report all to your spouse. But I know that doesn't happen in all marriages because they're not there. There's not that connectedness. So then who do you report all to? It can't just be the Lord because the Lord intends you to do it with other people. Who is your group of godly people that you report all to, and you let them speak into your life experience, that means you have the humility to hear truth for them, even hard truth. And you let them know that. You don't give them signals like, you know, you just better shut up and not agree with me. Or when they don't agree to you, you always complain, oh, you're talking down to me. You, you, you think you're a know-it-all. See, those are just defense mechanisms that we use to kind of shove people back and keep them at a distance. 
um, you, we've got to allow people to speak into our lives. Who helps us define the truth? Who helps us define God's truth in our circumstances? We need each other in that. And that's the first thing that Peter and John knew. Sure, where Peter was the rock. He was, Jesus said, on you, this rock, I'll build my church. On, on the word of God on you, you're going to be a leader in my church. But look how he was submitted to the rest of the, of the believers and to the rest of his fellow disciples. That's where John, Peter and John were. They were in the special inner circle of Jesus, but they didn't show themselves as elite and removed from others. They needed this. They needed this input into their life. You and I do too. So that's the first thing. Where do we report all? Here's the second thing. Peter and John didn't, didn't all just do that. They went a step further. They prayed with their brothers and sisters. They sought the church to intercede in prayer for them. They sought the church to intercede in prayer for them. Do you realize Scripture teaches us the example of Jesus and also the example of the disciples? They show us that our prayers that there are prayers that only you can pray. Did you know that? And there are prayers that only I can pray. We each have our own prayer list. And there are prayers that only we can pray. The author of Magnificent Prayer reminds followers of Jesus, there are people for whom no one else will pray if, if not you. Do you know that? There are people that aren't on, any, on anybody else's prayer list but yours. And they're assigned to you. By God, and because of where God's placed you in his sovereignty, and you're called to pray for them, to intercede for them. It goes on. We can't trade prayer lists and be as effective. We can't do it. Because we have our own. God has put us God has put on your heart and mind those requests that only you can pray to fruition. We need to know that. We have an important role in time and space right now. You may not have thought your prayers mattered, but they do. And my prayers matter. Because our prayers are the, we, only we can pray our prayers. And we have been meant to pray our prayers. So it's a solemn thing to be an intercessor. We have a responsibility to go between for those whom God has given us and to pray for the needs of people on our list and for God's kingdom agenda on this earth. And if we don't pray, no one else will pray. And it won't happen. It won't happen. We sometimes think, well, no big deal for Peter and John to stand up to the authorities. You know, these same authorities that executed Jesus, no big deal for them to give a defense of their miracle that they, did, that they had done in the name of Jesus. Uh, no big deal to be confronted by these national leaders who had mistake, were mistaken about Jesus, and then to call these same leaders to repentance. That was, that was no big deal for them. They were the apostles, man. They were Peter and John. Wow. Let me tell you something. They were first century disciples. They did live with Jesus. And you might think, who am I? I didn't live with Jesus. I'm not an apostle. Who am I? But I'm here to tell you, if you were to think this way about them or about yourself, you'd be wrong. You would. 
both about Peter and John and yourself. We matter. It was not easy for them to do those things. Peter and John needed the encouragement. They needed the prayers of their brothers and sisters as much as you and I need them. They needed it. I want you to consider how verse 29 and 30 spoke about Peter and John. It says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They wouldn't have prayed for it if they didn't need it. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They realized they didn't have the power within themselves. They needed God to act and to move or else nothing would happen. Remember earlier in our passage, Peter and John, the Bible writes, says that the Sanhedrin realized these are ordinary, unschooled men. That's what they were. They were ordinary, unschooled men. They didn't have higher education. And yet God used them in a powerful way. They needed the intercession of others on their behalf to speak boldly as they ought to speak and to do the works God intended them to do. And so do we. We need the same prayer in intercession. So I ask you, and I ask me, who are you praying for? Who has God placed on your prayer list that only is on your list and on no one else's list? And if you don't pray, it will not be done because God intends to work that miracle and that act of creation through you. Through you. Who is on your list? And better yet, who do you allow to speak into your life? Who do you let really speak the truth? And who do you let really intercede for you? If you and I don't have anybody interceding for us, how, how pitiful that is. How sad that is. We all need to have prayer people in our corners praying for us. We do. And we need to get about building that, that cohort, that group, if we don't, we don't think we have it. Who are you intended? Who were... Who, you weren't intended to make it, make it alone, I'm telling you, to serve alone. The disciples weren't either, and there's no way you can do it alone. You can't. You might be able to just to show up and, and get some things done, but, but real ministry and power is not going to go forward because you don't have it in you. I don't have it in us, in me. Who is laying their hands on you and praying for you? Think about that. Who is laying their hands on you and praying for you? So very, very important. So because these disciples relied on the counsel of their body and then the intercession of their body, they had great power. See, that's something that we sometimes think we don't need and we don't realize. But that's a place where real power. You want to, you get that wire plugged in. And I'm telling you what, baby, things are going to begin to happen. But if that wire doesn't get plugged in, forget it. It's an important wire. But here's another one that's important. When all the believers heard Peter and John's report, guess what? They didn't do what we sometimes do as groups of people or as churches. They didn't get upset about Peter and John and how they were treated. Went, oh my gosh! They didn't retreat them bad. And we get all upset and we get bitter and we want to go out and fight and let's go get our guns or let's go get our, our baseball bats. No, they didn't do it. They didn't get upset about it. They didn't get panicked and wondered whether they'd be next on the persecution list. Oh my gosh, no. 
everybody better keep their mouth shut. You know, we got to be careful now. No, they didn't do that. And they didn't begin to strategize a plan either to protect themselves and their family or to use the momentum of public opinion, which was on their side to grow their church and to strike back at the Sanhedrin. See, that's what we would do in the day. We'd get on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. We'd start a whole movement to get back at them. They didn't do any of that. They didn't do any of that. Rather, the believers look first to the Creator and Lord of all in prayer. They looked first to Him, their Master and Lord, and they reaffirmed His sovereignty. And that's a big word. That's such an important word. They reaffirmed his sovereignty as laid out in his word. And then they discerned through the Holy Spirit in prayer the mystery in their history. So important at this point. We have to constantly stay mindful of the mystery in our history. Constantly mindful. Constantly looking for it. God was sovereign there as well. He was sovereign in the events that happened to them. Do you know God's sovereign in the events that happen to you, even when it results in persecution, trial, and pain? God is sovereign. He's there. And this is where we have to go if we're going to do what God wants us to do as we face opposition and trial. So their prayer begins by acknowledging God as sovereign Lord. You are sovereign Lord. And there is no other. It's not these other things. They're not sovereign, Lord. You're sovereign, Lord. And so how do you define this word sovereign? We can take a look at it behind me. I think they've got a slide for you to look at. Here are some of the words that you need to use in defining sovereign. First one is independent. God is independent. He is solely other than his creation. And mankind, he is self-governing, self-determining, and he's free. That's who God is. Supreme is another word we use. There's no one higher, no one more superior. He's absolute in power, absolute in truth, absolute in being with no equal. There's no one that even comes close. He is King of kings, Lord of lords. He's the Alpha and the Omega. There's there's no contest even. He's outstanding. That means he's excellent and matchless. He's wonderful and so giving and loving. He is so outstanding. And then finally, ruler with the capital R. He is the righteous ruler over all creation and events. This is the sovereign Lord that you and I pray to. What man could ever stand in the way between what God wants for you and you He can't stand. No one can stand in the way of God's best for you and me if we trust the Lord, our sovereign Lord. Nothing, Paul says, nothing can separate us from his love. Not death, not life, not anything. Because he's sovereign and he loves you and he loved me. They were reminded about this, about God's sovereignty in creation, and so they quoted Psalm 2. Remember, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? Oh, they can do whatever they want. But in the end, God will do what God intends regardless. 
God will do. Knowing God's word well, hiding God's word in your heart, being in it and memorizing it and knowing what he's done in the past, all will strengthen your faith as you pray for your needs and challenges in the present. Some of us get tripped up because we don't know the word. We don't stay in the word. I would be just like you, and we're all the same. If we stay away from God's word, out of God's word, do not keep God's counsel, we are all going to wither in our faith. It doesn't matter who you are. That's part of the power. It's staying in his word so we can stay in his sovereignty. The God who once did great things in the past is the same God who will still do great things in the future. Amen? Amen. He's not done. So if we were in God's word, we could see the mystery of our history in God's word, but we could also discern and affirm that mystery through prayer right now in our personal history. See, again, they understood from the Holy Spirit as they prayed over their recent history in verses 27 through 28. They looked back at those events and they said, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. See, it had to happen. And God allowed it. These people thought they were, they were trumping God, but God was way, 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 way ahead of them. Commentator Ray Steadman, speaking to our passage, observes this. In other words, the God of history uses the very opposition that comes against him to accomplish his purposes. How do you, how do you win against a person like that? Who's got plans that are so way ahead that you can, he's always way many steps ahead of us all. This is what these disciples saw. God worked through the free will of man. These religious and civic leaders opposed the plan of God. They tried to thwart God's purposes. They tried to derail his program. But God operates in such a marvelous way that he uses even this opposition to accomplish his will. And this is the story of the cross. This is the story of the resurrection of Jesus, is it not? God was way beyond them all. And he's way beyond us as well. These early believers recognized a principle at work in their human affairs. And really, this is one of the most important forces known to man, in which the church and some believers frequently miss to our peril. Here it is. You and I who follow Jesus can trust the sovereign power and loving control of God, even in events that bring us pain and harm. You want me to say that one more time? You and I, who are followers of Jesus, can trust the sovereign power and loving control of God, even in, a, in events that bring us pain and do us harm. See, you know why we could do that? Because we know what God has promised us. There's only one scripture I'm going to share, and you all know it. Most of you know it. There are many, many more. Romans 8.28 says to those who follow Jesus and follow him in faith, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Can you receive that by faith? That's the word of the Lord. 
Can you trust God's goodness, His purposes, His promises, even in pain, even in trial, and through periods of silence and waiting? Can you trust Him in those things knowing He's there? If you and I do, if we trust Him, great things will come. But we've got to trust, and we've got to walk on in faith. So let's look at what great things happened. What were the results of the disciples praying for God to give them great boldness to speak his word, for them asking him to stretch out his hand in the name of Jesus to do wonders and miracles, signs and wonders in the name of Jesus? Well, this is it. The place where they were meeting was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit again. And they received what they asked for, power to speak the word of God boldly. They received it. These things, these are very tangible, concrete things, aren't they? These aren't abstract things. These aren't just things that happen in your mind. I've been in California, I've been in earthquakes. When things start shaking, you know it. Right? And it's a little unnerving. And when the Holy Spirit fills you because you're waiting for Him and you're looking for Him, it changes your whole outlook. It changes your whole perspective, your whole body, your whole motivation. It changes everything. And when God reaches forward to heal something that was broken, it's not following the natural course of life anymore because God has intervened. And when you see signs and you see wonders, they inspire you on, they can, to faith. Although they never If a person doesn't believe, they're probably not going to see Jesus in those things either. But they do encourage us. And we all know that we need boldness to speak as we ought to speak. Because our tendency is to keep our mouth shut. So we need boldness to speak as we ought to speak. They did too. Peter was popping off every two seconds here. Do you remember what he did when Jesus was arrested he ran and then he denied him three times when the people were trying to tie him to jesus while jesus had been beaten up and interrogated he denied three times that's what peter was like before now peter is filled with a boldness because the spirit is in his life it's wonderful our great spiritual father andrew murray said this it is of great consequence That our intercession, that means our prayer on behalf of what God wants and others need, that it should be personal, pointed. That means specific and definite. That means that we've got to come to God with a sense of assurance. And we need to be discerning from the Lord and from His Word what God wants to do. That's why you can be pointed and specific and definite because you're listening to the Spirit and listening to the Lord. You're not just coming with your own agenda. You're coming with His agenda. So these believers, they admitted and they owned their need. They prayed specifically for God to meet their need and they agreed for Him to do what He already intended He wanted to do. And what did God do? He kept His word. He answered their prayer. That's what He did because that's what He's like. Was it a given that these great works of healings and signs and wonders were just going to happen in the lives and through the lives of these disciples simply because God was sovereign and and His sovereign will was to make them happen? 
No, it wasn't a given. See, we sometimes think, well, you know, okay, sarah, sarah, what will be will be. God's sovereignty will always move. And, well, no, God will keep waiting. You know? What if Jesus returns and then those things weren't accomplished yet that he desired to accomplish? And you said, well, I trusted in God's sovereignty. He goes, you did? Well, these things, these blessings I would have given, these things I would have done, but you wouldn't trust me in my sovereignty. You just held on to a thing that you don't have to do anything and I'll just do everything, right? And that's not the way it works. We partner with the Lord in faith and in our prayers. So without our intercession, without our response of faith to to these healings, these blessings, these wonders, they're going to stay on the shelf. They're not going to move forward. We have to choose to obey. Every great miracle I've been involved in, I've had to choose to obey in faith. The choice was laid out there. And the Lord would say, I'll do this. And I decide, will I trust him? Will I not? Will I participate? Will I not? And when I trusted and participated, God did every time what he said he would do. He did. There are other times I didn't. I don't know what happened. Hopefully I get better at that as I got older. But I still see that need. Right? So we have a role to play on this planet during this time of history again. And without, and within the lives of those that God has mysteriously placed in our lives, we have a purpose and mission. We are co-laborers. Remember from this passage from Acts? We are ambassadors. We are shepherds. We are priests, all of us as believers. We are warriors. We are administrators of God's kingdom and his continued work on earth. We're the ones through which God brings it, through us. So this account was written to do something. It was written and recorded to stir our faith and arouse a faith response within us. And from everyone who's privileged to read it. That's what the intent was. Where are you this morning? I want to ask Brady to come and as he prepares to come into play, I just want to ask you where you are. You read this passage. You know your need. You understand how to receive power, but what's your response? What's your response? Because of your identity and your calling in Christ, what will you specifically intercede for in prayer today? What will you do? What will you seek God for? What will you be willing to step out and believe for? Whose life will you speak into? Whose need will you meet in service and in prayer? Because you are going to act in faith and respond today to see God's will go forward, to see results happen in your life. Who will you allow to speak into your life and into your need? Who will you seek to join you in intercession and the prayer of faith so that things happen? Revival comes. Salvation to someone comes. Healing to someone who needs healing comes. Who will you you allow to speak into your life in need, and who will you join in intercession? I want to invite you to come forward and pray this morning. We have a lot of things to pray for today. A lot of things to intercede for today. This is our time. 
What do you feel motivated to intercede for? Who do you feel motivated to intercede for? I want you to stand with me. As Brady plays and sings, I want to invite you to come forward and pray. Let's pray as a church. Let's pray in unity together. If you need to bring someone, bring someone. If you need someone to join you in prayer, grab them and have them join you in prayer. But who will you come to pray for? Let's intercede together. Here is where I lay it down Every burden, every crown This is my surrender This is my surrender Here is where I lay it down Every lie and every doubt This is my surrender Here is where I lay it down, every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down, every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. I will make room for you. Do whatever you want to, do whatever you want to, and I will make room for you. Do whatever you want to, do whatever you want to, yeah, and I will make room for you. Do whatever you want to. Do whatever you want to, yeah. Here is where I lay it down, every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down, every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every line, every down. This is my surrender. I will make room for you. Do whatever you want to. Do whatever you want to, do whatever you want to, yeah, and I will make room for you. Do whatever you want to, do whatever you want to, yeah, and I will make room for you. Do whatever you want to, do whatever you want to. Yeah, and I will make room for you. Do whatever you want to. Do whatever you want to. Yeah. Shake up the ground of my heart's ambition. Quiet my doubt. I give you permission. Your way is better. Your way is better. 
Shake up the ground of my heart's ambition. Quiet my doubt, I give you permission. Your way is better. Your way is better. Shake up the ground of my heart's ambition. Quiet my doubt, I give you permission. Your way is better. Your way is better. And I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. Do whatever you want to. I will make room for you. Do whatever you want to. Do whatever you want to. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just bless you and praise you that you never let go of our hands. That even when we operate under half power, uh, you still love us. And you still work to woo us, to reach us, to call us forward. God, may we not be satisfied until we are living in bold power until we are experiencing the bold power of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Spirit becomes a common way of our life where we trust in the name of your servant Jesus to do great power and and give great power and do great works of healing and signs and wonders and to meet our need and to bring the kingdom here on earth God, may we not be satisfied with what we've had and and not be locked into the routine that we have become comfortable in. But Lord, that we would want revival. Lord, help us. That we would want to see other people come to know You as Lord and Savior while there's still time. Before they die or before You come back. Before they are lost. Lord, we pray for your righteousness to reign in us, to make us a a more holy people unto you, even though the culture all around us is screaming for us to follow the ways of the world and to conform into the image of the world. God, may we not conform, but may we be transformed by the renewing of our mind through your word and through your spirit And through you, Jesus, who comes to build your church and and to make us a new creation. We ask for the healing today in the name of Jesus over the people that need your healing today. We pray for miracles. We pray for faith that, that folks that need that healing would hear you speak your word and would trust it today where they haven't before. God, where people have needs for wisdom and or or provision of any kind. Jesus, help them to hear your word surrendered to you and then believe today where they've had a hard time believing before. God, may we be able to confess our sins to one another and confess our struggles and doubts with one another that we might be healed because of the light and the relationship and the help to get through this hard time and to find understanding, your understanding, Lord. So God, build your church today. Build your people today. Move in a mighty way, Lord. Shake up the status quo here. Shake up the status quo in our lives. And 
Help us to see your mercy and your sovereignty in that shakeup. Because we need, we need that, Lord. We need that to have new power, new life. So God, bring it. We ask this in Jesus' name. And we thank you for your love and your blessing over us, each person that's here, our church body, and those that couldn't be with us today, and those online with us. Bless them with your word and take them on, Lord. And God, pour out your grace on our city, on our state, on our nation in this time and bring us peace. Not peace at any price, but peace because you bring the truth and because we find you as the way, the truth, and the life. So, Father, uh, pour out your grace and bring blessing to our nation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We love you, and we thank you for your answers to prayer today. And we all said together, amen, amen.